Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Sandra Bennett. One of the things on my heart in preparation is what the Lord's given me is, uh, do you really know him? Or do you really know him, but you've kind of half forgotten who he is? Have you ever really met him? Do you really know who this king is? Do you live like you know who this king is? Um, So we're just going to start with Psalm 24. Let me just put my cup down. So I, I put lots of bookmarks in. And guess what? I haven't put a bookmark in for this one, so bear with me. And it's verse uh, 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory and that's part of what the Lord is saying to us today okay then come on yes I'm the king of glory but to you who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle lift up your heads O you gates lift up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord of hosts he is the king of glory and then if you have your Bibles with you. You can turn to Revelation 19. And from verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, Followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you know what? Sometimes when I read Revelation, I am almost trembling at the word of God because it's like if you really pay attention to what it's saying, it's like, oh my goodness, how awesome is God? He's actually not comprehensible. He's really difficult to understand. Um, When we look at the awesomeness and majesty and there's so much detail about him, it's more than our minds can hold. Therefore, it even says that he has a name that we don't even know. Maybe one day we will. Maybe when we get to heaven, he'll reveal what that name is. 
Um, So just looking at that passage really quickly. So in verse 11, it talks about a white horse and that represents victory. So in this passage, we're going to draw out really quickly some of the attributes and character of God. So he's victorious. The white horse represents his victory and that's what he rides. He rides in victory. He's called faithful and true. That's who he is. His eyes, it talks about, and having many crowns, that in verse 12, is a symbol of his sovereign authority. So he's a sovereign God reigning in authority. This is who he is. Verse 13 says that he is the word of God. Verse 14 talks about the armies of heaven following because he is the leader of leaders. Verse 15 talks of him of being the ruler of the nations. We know he's high above every king and every authority. And he is the ultimate leader. The sharp sword, it talks about the sharp sword, but the sharp sword as well is the word of God. And in other parts of scripture, it talks about it being a double-edged, dividing basically life from truth. It separates what belongs to him and what doesn't. And verse 16, King of kings and Lord of lords. There we have that again. So this is just one passage that reveals, one passage in the whole of the word of God. And look how much it tells us about who our king is. And there's so much more to him than even that. Okay, we're just going to pray. Okay, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are victorious and you are conquering. You have conquered over death and hell. Lord, you are faithful and true and you never train, change. You're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, whatever comes, you are good. When life is great, you are good. When it's awful and it feels like we're in the valley of the shadow of death and we're going through hell, you are still good. Thank you, Lord, that you are crowned in sovereign authority. You are the word of God. You reign in sovereignty and authority. You are the word all powerful and full of life. Praise you, Lord, that you chose to come and live with that power in the fullness of life in us. I praise you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Above all kingdoms and powers you reign. Praise your holy name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So that was really practical. And yes, I did write it down, but I did mean it when I prayed it. Um, Because did you see what I did there? Is I've prayed the passage we've just read. And then I've added a few bits in because as I was writing before the Lord, this is how it flowed out of me. And sometimes we can take the all-powerful words of God and turn it into a prayer and pray his word because his word has so much power and authority. Okay. Um, in 1 Peter 4.12, in the truth version, it says, My dear friends, It is not surprising that you have to suffer painful trials at times. It is not that that it's something strange or unexpected is happening to you when when you do so. So just bear that thought for a minute. So, or put that to the back of your mind. So, I've got a cup here. This is the cup. This This is me. There's not a lot in it at the minute. But when I got saved... The Lord added lots of promises to my life and he did a lot for me. So 
many of you, and it's deliberate that there's lots of you, have a piece of paper in your hands. I want you to come up and declare out loud what is on that paper and just pop it in my cup. Restoration. Reconciliation. Authority. Belong. Life. Peace. Healing. Hope. Joy. Salvation. Oh, look, we're having trouble getting it in the cup. Faith. Provision. Increase. Right, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? But there's many things in it. Do you know what? My cup is full and we had trouble putting some of the things in because it was getting too full. Do you know why? Because my cup is overflowing in the Lord's. Your cup, if you belong to Jesus, is overflowing in the Lord. It's overflowing with everything that he has done for you. It's overflowing for every promise he has given you. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I've never received a promise from the Lord, well, open up your Bible and learn who he is. Because there's hundreds of promises in the words of God. And they are all for his children. Every single one of them. That's another one. Just remember this cup. Okay, so I'm going to read 1 Peter 4.12 again. My dear friends, it's not surprising that you have to suffer painful trials at times. It is not that something strange or unexpected is happening to you when you do so. So hang on a minute, haven't we just talked about all the wonders of what God has done for us? And then we have a scripture here saying, you're going to have painful trials. Ooh, does that sound like this life full of joy? It kind of... You could, no, I won't say it like that. You might be tempted to think when you're going through a trial is, what do the promises mean then? What's the point of it all? Surely this is not my lot to go through painful trials, difficult circumstances. Surely this is not the life of a Christian because that's not what we speak, is it? This is not what we expect. We keep saying all these wonderful things. John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Does that mean the thief does not try and come? No. But Jesus has already come that we can still, despite the thief, the enemy, the liar, despite that, we can still have life abundantly in Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say any wrong sayings, so I'm being a bit guarded here. But it's kind of like 
being a warrior, if you like, in the Lord is not having your head in the clouds. It's being aware of the reality of the life and circumstances that we sometimes have to go through. They are real. But we know that what God says and his truth kind of trumps that. It's over that. It's bigger than that. And that is the truth that we are called to cling to and believe every day, every moment of every day, no matter what comes. The following verse says, see, the word actually has a lot of the answers for a lot of our issues. Resist him, the enemy. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the whole world. You are not alone. Your trial, your tribulation, your temptation might look completely different to someone else's, but you can guarantee that someone else is still going through a trial, a tribulation, a temptation. I bet there's not one person in the room that can say that they've never come under any of that, that they've never experienced any of that. The reality is, this is the life that we live in a broken world. But despite the circumstances, they don't have to rule over us when we allow the Lord and his word of truth to rule in our lives and in our heart. So the sources of their trouble, I mean, they're obvious, aren't they? We know we've talked about the enemy. We have an enemy. This is a fact. But we also know that Jesus has already conquered the enemy on the cross. Praise the Lord. There is an answer. The other problem we have is ourselves. The problem with ourselves is we usually agree with the enemy and sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Um, The other thing is, is those around us. So sometimes, and I hate to say this, but sometimes even a Christian can be used by the enemy to speak the wrong thing. Sometimes we speak because it's just what we think and we think that's going to be helpful to the person, but actually it might not be what God is saying. Sometimes we might not be in the right place ourselves that day, and so what comes out is from a wrong heart attitude. Don't you think that's the enemy all over it? He wants to use these situations. So we need to be really careful what we speak into people's lives and what we say over people, because actually sometimes it's really easy. Do you know what? If someone's going through something really difficult, it can be so easy just to come alongside, put an arm around them and say, there, there, it's all right. That's not always what God is saying. Sometimes he's saying, no, it's not all right. Get up out of your pit. Just see what I'm saying. You have to hear what God is saying about the situation, not just do what you think or feel is right. You need to be listening to the Lord and obeying what he gives you to do because that's the way for true freedom for any of us is to only do what we see the Father doing as Jesus did, only only speak what we hear the Father speaking. And we live in a broken world. We know this. Sin entered through Adam and Eve. We know this. This world is dying And we know there's a promise of a new heaven and a new earth. So we know it's not doom and gloom because that's not the focus of it. But it is the fact of the situation that there is suffering in this world. Things are not perfect. 
Um, things don't always go our way either. And sometimes it can be really difficult and really challenging. And it may not be that your circumstance isn't really difficult or really challenging. But if I saw, for example, one of my children going through something really difficult and challenging, it's almost worse to me. So it might be someone else's suffering that you can't cope with. And we just need to remember that that does not mean God is not on the throne. That does not mean that there isn't an answer to that problem because there is always an answer. God is always speaking and always has something to say if you're willing to listen to him. So it's not all hopeless and doom and gloom. But this is the reality of what we live in. And if we ignore that and bury our head in the sand as Christians and just pretend everything's all lovely and all wonderful, when the enemy comes in like a storm, our roots won't be deep enough to deal with him. So we have to dig down deep into God and into his word so that when those pressures come, what's squeezed out of you is not of the world, it's what is of God. So I'm going to be talking about a little bit 2 Chronicles 20. Um, we're not going to read it all verse for verse, although we might look at some of it. So in 2 Chronicles 20, we have the story of Jehoshaphat. Um, around that time, there had been a civil war going on between Judah and Israel, and it was difficult. Jehoshaphat had become king, and the word says about it that the Lord was with him. He walked in the ways of King David, who I think, when I worked it out, I might be wrong, was his great-grandfather. And what he did is he went around removing all the idolatrous worship in the land. And he was a successful king. Um, Everything was going well for him. Everything was great. Then all of a sudden, all the enemies, Moabites, Ammonites, and others, came up against him and surrounded him. And I know for us, many of us, that we've been in situations where we were doing really well. Then all of a sudden, they might not be called Moabites and Ammonites. I can't even say them. Um, But all of a sudden, we have these situations that arise in front of us and it feels like the enemy is completely surrounding us. So what did Jehoshaphat do? He didn't look at the circumstances. So do you know what springs to mind is when the spies went into the land to to kind of suss it out and loads of them came back and they were like, no, they're too big for us. That was looking at the wrong circumstances. But a bit like, I think it was Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a completely different perspective. No, we are well able. We can take them out. And that's the kind of attitude God is looking for, is that we won't look at the circumstances and the situations, think, oh my goodness, I'm sinking. But actually, we'll look at them head on and say, no, in Christ, I am well able to defeat this and have have the victory over this. Um, Okay. So we're just going to have a quick a really quick look at the trials, the tribulations and temptations that we've talked about. So trials, I looked all this up by the way, does mean a test or a testing. Um, In James 1, 2 to 3, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the problem is, so okay, it might not be the same for everyone. The problem is for me, okay, is I'm not naturally the most patient person. So kind of like, okay, Lord, this trial, yeah, praise you, Lord, right, I want it dealt with now. I've had enough of this. And the Lord might be saying, well, actually, let's just work through this the right way, in the right time, and come out fully victorious rather than having a partial victory. Sometimes it needs to take a bit longer to make sure, I hope you cope with my jumping around, to make sure that you haven't just knocked Goliath out, but that you've chopped off his head. So sometimes it's hard, it feels hard, but what is hard is the, what, the hard journey with God sometimes brings the greater miracle. As long as you don't travel alone, you travel with the Lord. Um, the trial, uh, the, sorry, I've done trial. So tribulation is a state or cause of great trouble and suffering. Um, so John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Don't be miserable, is what the next bit is basically saying. Don't be miserable. Don't look at that and think, I'm done for. This tribulation's too much. Uh, This is not what I expected. That's it, I'm throwing the towel in. No, the word of God says, be of good cheer. And why are we to be of good cheer? Because we already know that despite what it looks like, we have the victory because Jesus has overcome the world. The last one was temptation. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so you can endure it. So the problem is with this scripture, there's nothing wrong with the scripture, it's our perception of it, just to clarify, is that when you're going through something that is really challenging, really difficult, you might be tempted because of your emotions to say, well, actually, God said he will give me a way out, but I can't see it, so he's not doing it. You might be tempted to think that God is not true to his words because you can't see with your natural eyes what God is doing. But it doesn't mean that your experience is the truth because God's word still stands. He will provide you a way out of temptation. The other misconception we have about temptation, as we think of temptation as being, maybe being tempted to gossip, maybe being tempted to have an affair. That's the type of temptation. Maybe being tempted to gamble or something like that. We think temptation is all about the most obvious things, but actually the enemy is sly and is much more um, covert than that with temptation. And sometimes the temptation might be, it looks like the obvious answer to my situation Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing ungodly about that answer. So I'm actually going to go this way. But God is saying, go that way. You have been tempted to change direction onto the wrong path because it looks right. That is still a temptation because you've not tested it. You've not heard from the Lord. Another temptation 
um, might be because discouragement has come in because of all the situations and that you start being tempted to listen to your feelings, listen to the lies of the enemy over the word of God. And that's probably one of the biggest temptations that we face as Christians when we're struggling is being tempted to take our eyes off the Lord even momentarily. And we still might initially go around professing the right things, but in here, in your heart, your eyes are not fixed upon the Lord and you're meditating upon the wrong things. You're beginning to agree with the lie of the enemy. Um, We need to be mindful, vigilant, it says, doesn't it? We need to be mindful of these things so that even if right now you think everything's perfect, when that trial comes, that tribulation, that temptation, you are ready and you are armed. And the, the word of God also tells us, doesn't it, about putting on the full armour of God. And sometimes we forget to do that or we lay elements of our armour down and wonder how the enemy got in because we didn't actually continue to apply the word of God in our lives. And so again, discouragement comes in and we begin to listen to the lie of the enemy and start believing that what the enemy's saying is true. And the joke of it is we don't always recognise the enemy's voice when we're feeling like that because the feelings can be very strong and overwhelming. And sometimes when that happens, our feelings sit themselves on the throne of our lives and try and kick God off. And we can no longer recognise the truth because of what we're listening to. So what about Jehoshaphat? What did he do? Well, he didn't do all what we've talked about. He set himself to seek the Lord. He didn't just uh, react. He was proactive. Because when we react, that's when we jump into a decision without any thought. And when we make unwise decisions. He didn't do that. He sought the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. I would suspect probably because of the severity of the situation, a corporate fast was necessary. He sought help from the Lord and came to seek the Lord. Are you or someone you know in a situation that's impossible? So even if you're not today, you might be tomorrow. And what you need to be careful of, bearing in mind everything that we've already talked about, is if we take our eyes off the Lord, even for a moment, it gives the enemy a foothold. It gives the enemy an opportunity to get in there where you begin to feel that that situation is impossible and that situation is too big. Well, just remember that it might be too big for man, but it's never too big for the Lord. And Jehoshaphat the other thing he did was he cried out in faith. So we're just going to have a little look at a few verses from two Chronicles. Two Chronicles 20 and verses 6 to 12. Am I going to read all that? Yep. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdom 
of the nations and in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying if disaster comes upon us sword judgment pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now here are the people and he goes on I'm just mindful if I'm reading that right that we're running out of time what's amazing about this is what he did so he sought the Lord he drew close in prayer and fasting in prayer he then began to declare to God who he is. And sometimes in we worship, when we worship, that's what we do. We are declaring to God who he is. He was bold enough to remind God who he was. And we're told as the Lord's to come boldly before his throne. By faith, he also declared, God will hear and save. You need faith. But praise the Lord, it's a gift from God. And if you're his, it his child whether you feel like you're in faith or not the faith is there you just need to activate it because he's given you that gift and remembering you only need faith as tiny as a mustard seed that's all you need doesn't matter how big the problem is the mustard seed of faith is big enough to overcome in Christ he then reminds God of his promises and he asks God to intervene in the situation Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Then what happens is the answer will come. The answer will come. It might not come in that moment, but I promise you, if you cling to the Lord in your trials, the answer will come. So you need to wait on the Lord and believe him. And he will give you the answer, the plan, the strategy that's needed. And this is exactly what he did in this this historical story. By prophecy, his rhema word was brought. And it said, do not be afraid nor dismayed for the battle is not yours, but God's. And so often God says this to us in our circumstances, but we are not always listening because we're too busy feeling sorry for ourselves. We want to be in control and hold things so tight. And that actually shows, and this is a challenging question for all of us, do you really trust the Lord? Because if you're clinging that tightly and won't let go, that shows that in this situation, you are not trusting God. You need to let go and make a decision about what you believe and who you believe in. Because are you believing in yourself to fix the problem? Because I can be a bit like this, but nine times out of 10, me fixing the problem doesn't work. And I need to let go and allow God to be Lord in that situation. You hold tight to burdens that aren't yours to carry. Worry, anxiety, negative thoughts, feeling heavy, feeling hopeless. And the enemy whispers, it's not working. Hold on a minute. So your cup of joy is overflowing But actually, as the enemy comes in and you choose to listen to the lies, it does feel like this is what's happening to all your promises of God. 
and what you've actually done. Instead of holding tightly to the truth of his word, you've replaced that cup with all the lies and you're holding tightly to the lies of the enemy and what is not the truth for your life. And the enemy will come in and whisper to you. See, God might have heard Jehoshaphat. He's not hearing your prayers, is he? God answered Jehoshaphat. He's not answering you today. Maybe it's because you've messed up too much and you're not good enough. Maybe it's you don't deserve to be healed. Maybe it is that you're not worthy to receive provision from the Lord. You haven't been good enough. So you're not getting the reward of his provision. And then you might be thinking, oh, do you know what? What's the point? This is, this is impossible. It's right. I do. That's right. It is impossible. This is too much. Is God even real? That's what the enemy does when he comes to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to trample over your faith and he wants to make you ineffective so that you stop believing and holding on to the promises of God and you begin to hold on to the lies. And that's what you're now believing. Not the truth, but the lie. And what comes in like a flood? Unbelief, discouragement, fear, hopelessness, isolation, loneliness. Oh, I don't even feel like I belong in the church anymore. What's the point in getting up on a Sunday morning? I'd rather stay in bed. So what do you do? Well, when you don't know what to do, you start by doing what you do know. It's all in the word of God. So you may not have had that rhema word yet, but there's plenty of things that you can stand upon in his truth to keep you going while you're waiting for that miracle answer. And that's what you need to cling to. Kick out the lie of the enemy and pick up. This morning, I really believe that God is telling lots of us, we might be doing well, but there might be one aspect of your life where something's fallen out of your cup overflowing. Maybe you're believing for a loved one to get saved and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe you're believing for healing and that healing just doesn't seem to come. Maybe you're believing for some miraculous provision and it looks like things are actually getting worse, not better. Well, God is telling us this morning that we need to pick up the promise again. So do you know what? This goes for me too. So this morning, I'm just in front of you and before the Lord. I'm going to pick back up the promise of God. And I'm going to hold it before him this morning and say, do you know what? This morning, I choose your truth over the lie. And just before we go into worship, do you know what happens with the story of Jehoshaphat? The worshippers went before the army. The God, God gave them the strategy. He even showed them where the enemy would be. The Lord might even show you the, where the lie of the enemy started, where that stronghold needs to be broken down, what you need to kick out. It might be very specific for you. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And when they got there, as I said, the worshippers went before them. When they got there, the Lord had already done it. The enemy was already dead. And when you choose to surrender to God and go his way,
God suddenly reminds you, do you know what? Your enemy is already dead. I did it on the cross 2,000 years ago. So take back up that promise and choose who you believe in. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.